Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your hosts, Harrison Kerrig and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we seek to answer the age-old question, are couples who refuse to have kids basically selfish jerks? Um, so this is an episode that I've actually been looking forward to doing myself because I am actually the person who was <laughs> um, a bit of a selfish jerk as it came to this topic. and. And now, uh, thankfully, uh, through the mercy of the Lord, after after having it brought to my attention, I've gotten to have a kid myself and, and really come to realize just how great of a gift it is to have kids. And so I'm really excited to talk about this subject uh, with you, Tim, and, and kind of pick your brain as it comes to um, some of the questions that I have that I have in mind that I've been thinking through. Uh, and I, I think I have a... a special ability to um, uh, have a have a certain type of perspective having been um, the the selfish person myself so hopefully hopefully I can ask you some pretty good questions that uh, that you can clarify because I, I think I think what I have in mind is um, probably what a lot of people are thinking um, in general which is it's, it's really kind of interesting um, uh, you I think, the general consensus right now in our society, uh, if you if you go on social media, if you watch TV, you know, if you just look, if you just kind of observe uh, people and how how they live their lives, I think the general kind of consensus that you're going to get is that most people kind of think of children as a bit of a burden and kind of kind of like a curse, really, uh, if you want to put it that way. It seems like like kids or something that really you just want to avoid <laughs> at all costs almost. Um, uh, like you go to the restaurant and you see the, the married couple and, and their kid, their baby is crying and, and being really loud. And, and I think most people's response immediately is to think like, wow, this is really inconveniencing my dinner. <laughs> um, uh, the, the children that are screaming and crying for whatever reason. And so I, I think in general, most people kind of, um, uh, most unbelievers view children as a bit of a curse. But then the interesting thing to 
uh, as I've been, you know, thinking about this subject, as I've been um, observing uh, people and, and what they think about children, one of the interesting things is I've actually kind of come to the conclusion myself, at least anecdotally, that really uh, it seems like most Christians kind of have the same response too. Uh, is that, has that been your, um, your experience as well? Uh, certainly, yeah. We're living in a society right now that uh, basically despises children and despises the idea of, you know, having them. Uh, you know, I could tell you stories about like what you're talking about. My wife just went to the grocery store and I think just a few days ago she had an experience where there was a man who was uh, essentially staring at her with, you know, all five of our kids at the grocery store. And, uh, you know, they weren't being crazy or anything else, but he was just looking at her and basically came up to her at some point and said, you know, I pity you, you know, (laughs) 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 having to deal with all these kids. And she, you know, she just looked at him like, you know, why, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, but, uh, he quickly changed his tone after she told him, you know, essentially (laughs) that she doesn't view her kids as a curse and she's very thankful for him she should have pressed him yeah. no tell me why tell no me why. she did she did she, oh, pressed, okay, okay. she pressed him <laughs> like uh you know why would why would i need to be pretty uh you know i love my kids yeah, that kind of thing but uh you're certainly living in a society right now that is hostile to the idea of kids uh, you're living in a world um that really um is dead set on killing as many of them as you can and we're persuaded uh we're living in a delusion where we're persuaded that uh, the world is overpopulated, and the only hope for humanity is basically to cull the herd, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, those are things that are happening at a societal level. If you, if you know, just go to any kind of college or major university, and you're going to find that um, there is a hostility towards children that is satanic. I mean, it really is satanic. Satan has a vested interest in trying to destroy us. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he wants us to. Uh, declare war on the idea of children and there's been plenty of societies that essentially have done that and uh, you know are in deep trouble because they're not uh, replacing their population um, as far as those things are concerned but then you know the church is worldly and is doing the same kind of thing and so it's um, you know you're living in a culture right now that's hostile to kids period and and um, the church typically follows the suit for sure and and one of the things I wanted to ask you starting off is is you know why exactly is that I mean it seems like uh, like you said just a second ago kids are sort of kids are basically the a part a very um, important building block when it comes to creating any sort of society in general so why is it that so many people including Christians are are so seemingly repelled at the thought of of having kids yeah i mean there's there's no one answer to that kind of question obviously but uh you know i I do think you have to realize that we uh we're living in a world that is held captive by the evil one and you know satan is a murderer he is a murderer and he has designs to basically destroy us at almost every single level and that is his character and so everything that he promises is ultimately attempting to undermine God's basic plan for humanity and and he's like one of those um you know serial killer kind of friends who is uh, <laughs> seeking you harm you know i mean when you think about his his plans like he promises good he promises 
pleasure. He promises life, but then, right. you know, there's a dagger, you know, underneath that plan mm-hmm. that he uh, intends to put in your back. And so, like, it, it, there is a hostility that he has towards the idea of children, period, uh, because they stand so central to God's actual plans for the world. Um, and you know, there's no, like, greater sign of life than children, and he's right. devoted to death. So so there's that. I mean, there's a spiritual battle that's going on along those lines. But then, uh, you, you know, there's—the logic of the world is essentially that— you know, we're living in order to be happy. And if you're thinking about happiness as involving just getting everything you want and having no one who stands in the way of your dreams and your goal and your plans and your vision and everything else, then kids fundamentally are going to be uh, individuals who, uh, they're either going to teach you that it's more blessed to give than receive, as the Bible says, or they're going to be objects that stand in the way of your own personal fulfillment, your own personal happiness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to raise a ch- child, you know, from start to finish. And there's nothing really more helpless than a child. Uh, you know, as a child comes into the world, they come into the world needy and they need your time. They need your money. They need your resources. Uh, you know, they're going to stand in the way of, you, you know, the uh, you know, the, the uh, teaching of feminism at that point, which basically tells women that they're going to find their ultimate fulfillment in being just like men and taking on the jobs of men. And, and it, so, you know, if you want to kill all of your career aspirations, then you, you know, you have a kid and that's going to stand in the way of your goals and your plans and uh, the things that you want to do. And I mean, at a practical level, I mean, you can't really help, but like, if you have kids, like you can't do the things that you used to do. You don't have the freedom of your time that you used to have. You don't have freedom of money. Uh, you know, when I was a single person, if I wanted to go you know, go to a restaurant, I go to a restaurant. If I want to go see some, mm-hmm. you know, family in, you know, different city, I just, uh, you know, get in my car and grab a few clothes and go drive, you know, and do that kind of thing. I mean, I remember when I was in early college, I, I, there were times where I was a little bit lonely and I wanted to go you know, visit my aunt or something like that. And, and I just packed up and drove an hour away mm-hmm. and just hung out with them for a little bit and there's nothing to stop me from doing that kind of thing, you know? So, but then when you have kids, it's a big production and there's a lot to it and, and we're selfish, you know? So we, we yeah. basically, if you're looking at everything through the lens of what does it do for me, uh, kind of thing, and does it stand in the way of my me time and my happiness and, you know, kids, kids can, um, uh, be burdens in that kind of way. Right. One thing I always tell people, um, is when it, whenever, you know, people are meeting my daughter for the first time, one of the things that I always tell them that I've come to realize is just like marriage, uh, when, when you first get married, you immediately realize a lot of the ways in which you're a very selfish person in general. Right. Um, and, and that's just because all of a sudden you have to, th- you're having to change your life in significant ways. And you've got to start thinking about this other person um, in a very significant way. So now your time is not your own anymore. You know, um, uh, even, even things like, like your body isn't your own anymore mm-hmm. and marriage. And so in a lot of ways it reveals a lot of selfishness that has just never been challenged before in your life. But then even more so, uh, children, you know, they, they take that to a whole new level basically because they're affecting, they're affecting pretty much everything about your life. Once you have a kid, you know, it fundamentally changes the way that, that you live your life. And, I, and I'm sure the more you add, you know, the more you add on to that, 
the more um, exaggerated that change becomes where even like when you eat and when you sleep, those are no longer things that you get to decide when you're going to do all the time. And it is a pretty, I mean, it's an awesome, like uh, not in the trite sense of that word, like awesome, like a cheeseburger. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It is, uh, you know, it truly is an awesome like responsibility that an individual takes on. Like when you have a kid, meaning Mm -hmm. there's no, take backs at that point and you're literally uh, determining to like give your life for this person and take Mm -hmm. full responsibility of it and there's no like you know i tried that out you know like a pet or something like that (laughs) there's no there's no 14 day trial (laughs) i tried it and you know i mean you know people you know ridiculously treat pets as if it's the same level but i mean it's just like you know if you don't like the pet you can you know you can find a, you, you can find someone to take your pet. You can you can you can hand them off, you know, but you can't really do that with a kid, you know. So right. So so I mean, <laughs> without being uh, thrown in jail or something like that. But but I mean, it is a it is a, a big responsibility, and I think a lot of people um, are not um, as mature as generations past were. So we're we're mm-hmm. we're much less mature than you know our form, former generations, and so there's this sense in which. Uh, individuals they they want to get married because they want to have sex but then you know they don't want all the responsibilities that come with that in general they're not really you know there's something about like having a kid that makes you feel like an adult in a way Mm -hmm. that um you know maybe even getting married doesn't you know yeah so yeah it definitely sanctifies you in a very uh and in a very um strong sense i guess sure. Uh, sure. it pushes you um so i guess and in terms of thinking about uh you know this responsibility uh to have children i think one of whenever whenever you think about having children or or any kind of command that god might have given uh for having children probably one of the first places that most people are going to instantly think of if they've really you know read their bible at all or you know or have even just you know lived in the bible belt or something where they've heard all the stories um or whatever one of the first places you're going to go is probably genesis um in the first few chapters when god gives the command to adam and eve to uh to be fruitful and multiply uh right and so so whatever whatever you think about what that means now the the thing that you can't argue is that this this is a command that was given to Adam and Eve. So I get so I guess my first question for you in relation to that is why exactly, uh, why exactly did God tell Adam and Eve to do this? And it, it, I mean it's pretty much one of the first things He tells them to do, um, <clears throat> uh, is is to be fruitful and multiply. So so why did He um, give the give them this command? And, and so quickly, too. Sure. Well, I mean, he didn't just give it to Adam and Eve. So that's part of the point is that, you know, he gave that command to Adam and Eve to basically tell them who they are, uh, where they're coming from, where they're going, what, what his plan is for the world. Mm-hmm. And and so, uh, you know, he gave it to them, but then he also gave it to Noah. So there's a repetition of it with Noah after the flood. And part of the reason why it's repeated there is just to emphasize that this indeed is 
a corporate command given to the entire human race and ref- reflects, you know, God's intention for humanity at a pretty fundamental level. Uh, so I think if you want to try to understand what's actually happening in the Bible, you can think in terms of two corporate commands that are that uh, basically govern uh, the the you know the basic answer to the question why are we here you know what is God's plan for us what is God's purpose mm-hmm. for us and those two corporate commands are uh, this uh, creation mandate that's found in Genesis be fruitful multiply fill the earth and subdue it you know I call that essentially the um, the great commission of the old covenant <laughs> and so <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, so basically if you want to think about God's plans for humanity first it's fill the world up full of people uh, that's essentially what you have there and then the new covenant god's uh the other corporate command is to make disciples of all nations and so you you think in terms of these two corporate commands one fill the world up full of people and then two fill the world up full of disciples essentially if you want to yeah like think about it in a simplistic way but i mean like the point though is just to say that god god his design for the world is to fill the world uh full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea um, so, like as you think about that kind of plan, uh, God wants the entire earth to be filled with the knowledge of Him. And, and you know, John will tell us that the time is coming and now is where God is seeking you know worshipers to worship Him. And so, God's plan is to you know basically fill the world full uh, up full of worshipers, and that's mm-hmm. His intention for humanity. That's why you're here because someone was obedient to this plan <laughs> that yeah. God had. For humanity, and this reflects our design um, that God has designed us. And I mean, we have bodily cycles, which essentially are screaming at us every, you know, if you're a guy, every day, multiple times a day, <laughs> you have a body <laughs> cycle that is telling you that God's designed you to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And you know, if you're a woman, you have a monthly cycle that's essentially doing something very similar. That's telling you that God has designed you. Um, to be creative, to to uh, reflect certain attributes of His character. God's a creator, God, and He's designed us to create, not you know, out of nothing ex nihilo, but He's create, designed us to be uh, uh, creative, just like He is, and to bring new life into the world, and to reflect His character, mm-hmm. and to fulfill His purposes. And so, you know, God God's plan is to fill the world up full of people, and fill the world up full of disciples. And you know, He obviously is doing that through the church. Uh, but then that's his design for humanity, and and that's why the world hates it so much. Is because it reflects you know, this these basic fundamental worldview questions: why we're here, and we're this is an inescapably God's plan, and we can't you know, as much as we want to rebel against it and reject it. I mean, it's obvious that God has made us uh, to do this, and that's why you know pretty much everyone wants to be in a you know relationship you know of some sort. They right. may not want to be married, but everyone. Uh, you know, they they feel deep down to their soul that like they don't like like this idea of just being so alone, you know, by themselves. They they know intuitively that God's designed them to couple with another human being in order to advance His purposes in the world. And I mean, you know, I I think uh, like we it's just inescapable. It's just God's plan. It's God's design for the world. It's just obvious. So. That's part of what I'd say to that. Well, one of the other things I was going to ask you was, you know, does that do these commands um, still stand today? I know I've I've heard a lot of people, and and I think at one point I probably I never vocalized this, but I probably did think it um, if I if I had ever you know thought to 
to really put all my beliefs on this down on paper or something. Uh, one, one thing that I've heard a lot of people say is essentially, uh, you know, yeah. All right. So, you know, God gave that, uh, the command to have to be fruitful and multiply. He gave that to Adam and Eve uh, because the world was empty. They were the only two people. You know, if you, if you believe that God actually made Adam and Eve and did everything that he said in Genesis, literally, then there's only two people and, and someone's got to, someone's got to fill up the world. And, and uh, you know, the, the dating options are limited if you're Adam, if you're Adam or if you're Eve. Um, But, uh, the same the same deal for Noah. The world is empty essentially. Um, uh, you know now there's eight people I think instead of two, but it's the same the same idea. Everyone was just killed in the flood. Someone's gonna have to fill up the world again. Um, but we live in a different day and age now. The world isn't empty. You know, um, the world is more populated than it's ever been, um, and so. I've heard a lot of people basically say, Hey, look, those were commands given to them. They don't really apply to us anymore because, because basically, you know, I, I guess they've been fulfilled (laughs) already. I guess is the way that they would probably put it is, Hey, this command has been fulfilled. The world's full, you know, so, so we don't really need to hold ourselves to this command anymore. So my question for you is what is your response, uh, to that objection? Um, because you've already told us, Hey, it still stands. So explain why, why it still stands, why we can't just say, Hey, you know, it's, it's not a, why we can't say it's a different day. It's a different age. Don't worry about that command anymore. Sure. I mean, the only way that that can make any kind of sense is if essentially you go full uh, Marcionite and just you know, say hey, that's the Old Testament or something along those lines, or go full Andy Stanley. You know, <laughs> we need to unhitch <laughs> it. <laughs> we need to unhitch ourselves from <laughs> you know the Old Testament because it's an embarrassment to you know poor old Andy. Uh, but um, no, I mean, like you know, you can't you can't go that route. I mean, the Bible says what's written in former times was written for our instruction mm-hmm. uh, that the man of God may be competent and equipped in every good work. I mean, you like, we what's written in older in former times is the, the old covenant we have the old testament that's written to us that tells us god's basic uh commands for us i mean this is pre-mosaic law so i mean this is like um you know these are creational features that are given to us to basically tell us you know why we're here genesis itself is a book of origins it's designed to answer these basic questions and so you know part part of it's just you know individuals who are making those kind of that kind of argument they're essentially they don't know what to do with the old testament and they they don't know how to understand and apply what's actually written in the old testament so part of it's that and and so you know the only way that you're going to come to the kind of conclusion you're you're saying is essentially to you know adopt some kind of red letter form of christianity where you just ignore uh, the bible and, and that kind of thing but i mean you know every when you just look through genesis and one of the things you're going to find is that you're going to find all the basic features of life um, that God has designed for us, you know, for for every single age. So, you know, in in the Book of Genesis, you're going to learn that murder is wrong. Well, why is you know, there, why why would that change over time, right? So these are right. creational features. Uh, you know, God's given us dominion over the animals. Well, 
you know, have we advanced far beyond that now to where now the animal should have dominion over us? Uh, you know, so in that same blessing, he blessed them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the, you know, the animals. And then you've been given plants for food and everything else. Like all these things are just like, in order to overturn part of it, you have to overturn all of it, but there's no evidence that any of it should be overturned. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, but then not only that, I mean, just read through Isaiah eleven nine, and this is just something that you have to think through. Uh, so Isaiah eleven nine says, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the, wall, as the waters cover the sea. So if you think about that, the earth, God's plan for the world is that the earth be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. So mm-hmm. what you need, if you want to understand, well, what is God's definition of full? It seems like God's definition of, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, full of people. In order for the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, that means that we have a long way to go. <laughs> <in terms of>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it probably looks a lot more like um, yeah. Coruscant from Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, sure, than- sure, yeah. Absolutely, you know, and so, and and like the thing is that God will have His purpose accomplished, and and so we we need to keep on going, you know, until we get this place, you know, as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, meaning comprehensively full. So there's no mm-hmm. like, um, there's no, um, we're not there yet. I mean, you know, you can fit the entire population of the world in Texas with every single human being having, you know, a thousand square foot to themselves. So now that doesn't say, you know, how you're going to make food and everything else. Uh, But, but like the point though, is to say that we're, we have a long way to go before the earth is full, filled with the knowledge of the Lord from the water as you know, the waters cover the sea. There's a long way to go. Right. So, so why, why is God giving this command to, uh, to Adam and Eve, to Noah and to all of us? Why, why is he giving us this command uh, to have children? Why is it why is it such an important um, aspect of of our purpose for being here? Yeah, um, well, uh, I think you know I can try to answer that question and and give you one more answer to the last one too. Uh, but okay. um, you know, you're asking the question: Well, um, how do we know that this command is still relevant, and why did he give it to us? Well, you know, part of part of how you're going to answer those kind of questions is to look at the scripture itself. But then you do have to look at our design, like God's fundamental design for humanity. And one of the things you're going to find is he made us to reproduce. Not a, so we have bodies that are telling us that he made us to reproduce. Uh, so we have we have bodies that are intentionally designed to do that. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, he's put in us desires for companionship. He's put in us desires to actually have kids. I mean, women have a lot stronger desire to have kids than men do, typically. Uh, men just like the process, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> as far as that, as far as that's concerned, but these are intrinsic to, you know, our very design, you know. So like, it's, it's almost like, you know, ask, trying to ask the question, you know, how do you know these things still apply? It's, it's almost as absurd as asking the question, you know, how do you know that God still wants you to use your eyes? <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just like, what a dumb question, right? Like, it's like, I mean, what do you do? You just pluck out your eyes, you know, how do I know that God still wants me to see, you know? It's just like, well, no, you have, they're obviously made for a reason, man, you know, and your bodies are obviously made for a reason. So like, that's what they're there, you know? So, so 
like uh, it's more than just like it, like there's an argument based on design, not just an argument based on scripture at that point that God's obviously designed you to do certain things and you have a body screaming at you to do it. So you might want to just, you know, do what you're designed to do, you know, and what a waste it is. Yeah. Like you can imagine it's just a waste in every area of life to have something designed for a purpose and then just to totally, you know, not use it for the purpose that it's made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, but why, like the point you're asking. Hey, those, go. hey bef- before you, before you answer the question that I, I actually initially asked, I want to put, I want to push back a little bit okay. on what you're saying, because I think there are going to be a lot of people who are listening, who are going to have this, this thought immediately come into their mind. And, and so um, at the risk of, you know, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit in the conversation, I want to, I want to provide this pushback. Um, part of what you're saying is, you know, beyond just the fact that we don't have any scripture that tells us, Hey, good job filling the earth and, and subduing it, you know, being fruitful and multiplying. You're good on that one. But besides the fact that there's no verse that actually says that or, or does anything even close to saying anything like that. Um, uh, basically what you're saying is, Hey, look, our design hasn't changed in any way. We still have all of the same desires that Adam and Eve would have had when it came to this. We, de- we have the same um, anatomical, you know, structure um, sure. that they would have had when it comes to reproduction. Uh, same cycles, everything. It's the same. It hasn't changed. Um, so knowing that, uh, that's a that's a that's a way we can look at creation itself, and and um, and you know, basically that along with knowing what the scriptures actually say, we can with confidence um, tell one another, hey, no, this is still a command that we need to obey. Well, the pushback that I think some people are going to bring up is when it comes to things like contraceptives. Um, and, and I know this is probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves in the conversation, but, but I think there will, there will probably be a group of people who would say, Hey, look, no a science, you know, science is a gift from God. Um, God is, has given us many blessings through science and one of those blessings is contraceptive. So he wouldn't have allowed us to um, to have these things if he didn't think we needed to slow it all down now. Um, so yes, we still have the design, we still have the desires, uh, but then he's given us this new tool to still fulfill all those things, um, just like Paul says we need to do. But then he's given us a tool to... Um, prevent us from overpopulating, you know, or something like that, uh, in birth control basically. So, so what it, you know, what is your response to that kind of critique of your argument? Sure. I mean, science gives us uh, plenty of things that, um, that (laughs) you can't argue from what is to what ought to be essentially. So science has given us sex robots. So, (laughs) Like, so what, you know, like, does that mean that God doesn't want us to get married to women anymore? Right. So, you, I mean, you have to think, you know, you can't just say, hey, you know, science has come up with some new thing, you know. Uh, so therefore, like science, like whatever you can't, like science doesn't have like um, power to define morality, you know, or the ingenuity right. of man doesn't have the power to overturn morality as far as that goes and so you have to like think through you know what god's actual purpose and god's actual attention 
for humanity is. And the reality is that we can use science in such a way to help us to fulfill the purposes that God has for us, or we can use science in such a way to like basically overturn like God's plans and purposes for humanity. I mean, the Bible says Mm -hmm. that the sons of this age are, you know, they marry and are given into marriage. And so you have to ask, you know, where are we at in God's timeline? And it Mm -hmm. seems to me that God's timeline is that the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. And like God's design for man is going to be fulfilled throughout this age. And we don't, we don't need to worry about it. We just need to busy ourselves. Uh, with the joyful task of doing the things that he's called us to do. And science isn't a trump. You know, I mean, you know, the new inventions aren't a trump. You know, science has given us a virtual church, but that doesn't mean that that's actually a church, you know? So, right, right. right. So, you know, science, you can't just use like any kind of new technology to overturn clear commands and purposes and God's design for, for humanity in that way. I mean, obviously, you know, it, you know, Humanity and rebellion against God can invent remarkable technologies that will, um, you know, stand in opposition to God's plan. But you look to the Bible to tell us what God's plans are, not whatever new inventions we come up with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, going back back to the original question I posed, um, why why is it that God is um, that God commands us to have kids? Why is it such an important um, part of our purpose for being here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I mentioned a few of those things uh, uh, already, but then I would, you know, I think we're here in order to, uh, we bear the image of God. So man is created in God's image and we bear the image of God. And there's certain um, uh, activity, a lot of the activities we engage in are going to be activities in which we uh, are representing God's character in a certain way. So God obviously created us. He created man, his own image. God created everything out of nothing. You know, we can um, mirror uh, certain attributes of his character, his creative nature in bringing forth children into the world. So obviously we're not doing it on our own. Apart from his grace, he knits children together in his mother's womb. But I mean, his design for, for us is to create new people and to be like him in that kind of way. Uh, you know, part of the you know funny thing about asking a question like this, you know, why would God do this? You know, all you have to do is ask yourself, do you like being alive? You know, so <laughs> like I, I am said, partial to like, it. <laughs> are, you, are you glad your parents had you? You know, so like in a certain sense, I mean, like it's a it's a privilege to be able to bring new life into the world, and it's a moral responsibility that we have to bring new life into the world, and. You know, I'm certainly glad that I uh, had the opportunity to be alive, and that certainly is a blessing to me. And so, God's plan is to bless humanity. And I mean, I, you know, I can't, like, it's it just hurts your brain trying to think about like that kind of answering that kind of question. You know, what what it would be like to not exist. You know, <laughs> so yeah. But then all the blessings that God has given me throughout the entirety of my life. You have to think about it this way. All the blessings that I've ever experienced throughout the entirety of my life were dependent upon the action of my parents to bring me into this world, right? And so God has a plan to bless humanity, and that plan is going to be fulfilled through our obedience to what he says. Um, And so the more obedient we actually are, the more uh, people there will be to experience the blessings that God has for us to experience. And, and the chief of which is to actually know God, right? So the Bible says that you know, 
the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, like dry land or like the waters cover the sea. And I mean, like God wants, like the greatest good of humanity is that we know God and, and we're not going to know him unless we're exist. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so there's that, but there's a lot, there's a lot to more you can say to that, but certainly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I remind me, I can't remember if you brought this up or not, but I know, I know I mentioned it at some point, but really, I mean, you, God gave uh, Adam and Eve, Noah, these commands, fill the earth, uh, be fruitful, multiply. And part of what he's doing is he's saying, hey, you need to build up <laughs> societies, basically. And, and the only way you build up societies is by having more people, you know. Yeah, but one of the things I would just... Uh, maybe to help people is, you know, as you think about those commands to Adam and Noah, they're not just commands to Adam and Noah. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Like, because like, if you think about the nature of the commands themselves, like the command is be fruitful and multiply to the only two human beings that existed at the time, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Like one of the things you instantaneously realize is that those two people can't fulfill that command <laughs> okay right yeah. like yeah. they can't like i mean and it because it's not meant like it's not meant for just them mm-hmm. right they can't fill the world up full of people and subdue the earth in the same way that god gave the great commission to like the disciples that were alive at the time and not all of them even but everyone understands and knows that that command you know bring the gospel to all the world right make mm-hmm. disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them, teaching them to do all that Jesus began to do and teach. This is a command that's beyond that group of individual. And so like, you know, you just, just imagine it in this way. Like if, if you imagine, um, you know, and God's given plenty of corporate commands to certain bodies, like build the tabernacle and everything else. But I mean, just imagine that uh, we all had our little communion cups or whatever at our church and I, t- and you know, I, as a pastor there gave a corporate command to everyone, all right, fill this up full of water, this swimming pool up full of water with your communion cups or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone would know that like, this is a command that's beyond me. Right. But yeah, then if everyone yeah. were to do it, like in, it's, in, it's beyond this moment, right. It's going to take some time. You know, it's, it's a command that extends beyond this, but like you keep on doing your, you know, fill in your drop in there and you're another drop in there. It's going to take some time. But in the same way, the world's a big place. Like it's a huge place. And this, this wasn't just a command given to Adam and Eve. It's a command given to the human race. Um, and it reflects in everything else is in there, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have the dominion over the animals. Like that's part of God's design for humans mm-hmm. that applies yeah. to all of them, you know? Yeah, imagine imagine if your wife had gone to the store and instead of having five kids with her, she had one billion yeah, children. Right. <laughs> I wonder what the guy's re- reaction would have been. Poor woman, you know, seriously. <laughs> um, okay, um, so so why why does God command us to have kids? It's it's to build up society. It's to make us like Him, um, probably to sanctify us as well. Sure. You know, revealing all of our our selfishness, our sinfulness. Um, so, so this is a command that what, you know, it was given to Adam, it was given to Noah, but then we can't treat it like it, you know, we can't unhitch ourselves, um, from the old Testament. We in can this un- way. unhitch ourselves from Andy Stanley. That's what we can uh, 
yeah, unhitch our unhit, if you're listening to Anne Stanley, don't don't do that anymore. Uh, uh, go read the Old Testament and go read the Old Testament some. <laughs> um, but I uh, so in the beginning of the podcast, one of the things I brought up is you know most people they kind of view children as a curse more than a blessing, but then we know God promises children are actually blessings. So so it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty kind of. Uh, mind-blowing if you think about it. God gives us a command to be fruitful and to multiply. Um, So this is a command that uh, we need to follow if we want to honor the Lord. But But then the result of following the command is we get gifts directly, right? Like the the natural um, sort of outcome of following the command means that you get gifts uh in children um so it's kind of like a a, i mean it's like a really merciful thing if you think about it he could have made it really hard and and it certainly is but then he could have made it in a way um where like children aren't gifts uh but he didn't he he made them gifts for us and uh so it's kind of it's it's should be a a point that causes us to say, Hey, you know, like praise God for, for doing, uh, for, for doing this and for blessing us in this way. Um, but, but it doesn't seem like most people really recognize that children are gifts. It seems like they, they more think of children as a curse. So why don't you just, you know, tell us some of the, um, ways in which, children are actually a blessing because we know God does say they are a blessing. So, so in what ways, um, are they? It's funny. I mean, like God blessed them, like the text says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So you don't even have to get beyond that verse to realize that children are meant to be a blessing because like like the command itself is a blessing. It's, it's a blessing that's given, uh, you know, but then you have verses like Psalm, you know, one twenty-seven and three through five, the classic passage on that kind of topic. Behold, uh, children are heritage from the Lord; the fruit of uh, of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Uh, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Uh, so th- there's a wide variety of reasons why um, children can be a blessing and are a blessing in the Bible. I mean, part of it is just as simple as it's not good for man to be alone. So God's going to make a helper fit for him. And, you know, we're living in such a selfish society right now that we really have no um, place for other-centeredness at all. But there really isn't, you know, a lot of joy to be found in just self-centered isolation. You know, as much as we're hell-bent on pursuing it with everything that we have, that really isn't the path to you know, happiness, and that isn't really the path to joy and laughter. I mean, you need community in order to experience those kind of things. I mean, you might be able to, you know, pursue entertainment raw by yourself, uh, but they're really, you know, the good things in life are all are obviously going to be filled with, you know, community and with uh, interactions with other people and laughter. And I mean, you know, I feel the kind of person who's just, you know, all, you know just laughing by yourself all the time i mean i mean (laughs) most most people would probably look at you as if you're a little bit weird but i mean you know there's like you can just imagine yourself like like when you find something funny or you think about something funny don't you have some kind of impulse or desire to 
share it with someone else or text someone oh, yeah. else or let them know. I mean, yeah. God's made us to be that way. Like he's made us to live in community. So, I mean, I, I think like, um, uh, like obviously at a very fundamental level, the good things in life, you know, holidays, happiness, joy, they're going to be found through like family and life and, and community and, all, all these, all these kind of things, and so uh, there's reasons like that. I mean, um, you know, in that passage it says, uh, uh, "Behold, children are a heritage from the uh, Lord; the fruit of uh, the womb a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, or the children of one's youth." And when you think about like uh, like that kind of metaphor, you know, if you're living in a society where there are enemies, you know, all around you, you have children. Children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Like you think about that in the literal like sense of, of those words, like in order to, you know, keep, uh, keep your tribe strong, you know, keep your, you're going to have to have families that are producing Mm -hmm. kids and you're going to have to outbreed your enemies as far as that goes. And so there's like, uh, (laughs) outbreed your enemies. That's right. I mean, I mean, that's part of the reason why like we, we, you know, as a society, as birth rates in societies plunge, you're not even replacing, you know, the rate of kids that you have and societies inevitably are going to collapse in one way or the other. Uh, They're going to collapse because you don't have like the manpower needed to, you know, run the utilities and, you know, have the jobs that you have and everything else. And so part of it's that, but then part of it is just that you're going to be easily conquered. And so like, there's a sense in which children are a blessing and that they're, um, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, they, they're essential to keeping a society alive. Uh, but not only that, I mean, I think we, we think about children in such an individualistic way now, and we, we are very individualistic in the West, uh, so that we don't think in terms of like things like generational wealth uh, and those kind of concepts. And so when you think about children, like you know, part of what we should be thinking about if we were smart would, would be to be raising children who are going to you know, join us in the task that God has given us to, to, to pursue. And like, you can create a lot of wealth in that way too, by thinking about how to, you know, teach your kids actual marketable skills that'll actually benefit the world and having some sort of like connection with your children. Like you could build great things with, you know, a bunch of hands that could actually help you instead of just having like a bunch of kids that you're producing mm-hmm. who are just lazy entertainment addict kind of kids who don't know how to do anything. And then you send them off to college and basically, you know, uh, just, you know, excited to get them out of the house and, you know, barely ever see them again at that point. I mean, like if you raise kids in the way that God wants you to raise them, you might have like greater connection points. And so like there, there are blessings in, that, in those kind of ways, like in terms of just, you know, society, financial blessings. There, there, there are those kind of blessings that come from having kids. Uh, but those are just like crass, like practical ones. But I mean, my goodness, like there's blessings in the process of even having a kid. I mean, like, um, you know, one of the things that my kids like to do the most of all the things that they can do, like, and this is what's like a shame, like to a society, like the kind of society that we live in right now, that essentially doesn't see any value in kids at all. Uh, but, but like the thing is, like uh, you know, one of the things that my kids love doing the most is sitting with me or their mom and looking through old photos of them or old videos of them on the phone mm-hmm. and kind of laughing at the things that they did and that that kind of thing. But I mean, that's like like they would rather do that than watch a movie. Yeah. Even my older kids. I mean, and that's like, um, like a shame, you know, I mean, that's like a, 
like a profound like it's like why 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 are we drawn that way you know why is it that the thing that is so interesting for so many people you know like mm-hmm. and it's because God's made I mean that's how memories are built you know that's how like that's what makes for a good life you know when you get old and you you're, you're I mean do you really want to be by yourself alone yeah unable to do anything you know like um you know I I um at the last church I was at, there was a there's a guy that I got connected with. He was an older guy who was, you know, recently he got Alzheimer's and then he uh, went to be with the Lord. But you know, I used to go over there and he had kids, man. Like he had kids that could help him do things. But I used to, you know, he'd pay me a little bit to go over there and help him mow his yard. And so I mowed his yard every every week or every Saturday, that kind of thing. But he was just so thankful to have someone to come and talk to him and help mm-hmm. him. You know, and I just, I, I was kind of sad because I thought, man, I wish his kids were willing to do it, you know? Right, right. That kind of thing. But I mean, like, that's like, if you have a family that's not just destroyed, you have a family that's held together, family that loves each other, there, I mean, there are blessings that come from that, that want to be around each other. Like, um, there, that, like, you don't even have to, like, th- there are obvious blessings that come from kids in that kind of way. Um, that uh, certainly you have a generation of people who maybe miss out on those things, you know. But those are the things that I remember, you know, w- w- growing up, like the good, the, the good stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely I resonate with that a lot. I think now that my wife and I have had a kid, um, you know, one of the things that one of the things that always uh, I think about a lot is just the satisfaction that my wife and I get and just, and just having, um, this little person that is just like us. I mean, even down to like the, the biological level, like even their DNA and and every cell in their body is, is just like our, you know, our DNA. Um, and, and so it's like this really, it's a really, um, special kind of experience that you get to have and 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 it's one that you know it makes the memories that uh that you have with this with this child it makes them so special i mean there's so many times my wife and i have gone back and and watched you know the videos that we've taken along the way so far and we've looked at all the pictures that we've taken and and we've just you know um just recalled different events that we got to all experience together. Um, and, and just the, the, the sincere amount of joy that comes from even just remembering those things. And, and, um, you know, even just getting to hear my, my child's voice is a gift to me. My wife and I say all the time, we wish that we could just bottle up (laughs) our, our, our baby's voice because it's just so sweet to hear all the time. Um, well, you're, you're never being more like God than when you're, <laughs> you know, caring for someone who's fundamentally helpless. Right. You know, laying down your life for someone right. who just, they can't benefit you like in the same yeah. way. I, yeah. And so, I, you know, it used to be that you share those memories through like stories. You know, I can think of family reunions where you get together and you hear all the old stories of, you know, that seem to, you know, grow over time. <laughs> 
<laughs> get better with the retelling. You know? Yeah, but yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I know those stories well. <laughs> but we're living, you know, in a time right now where we do have like video cameras, and you know that uh, we're living in a different, mm-hmm. like, very blessed time where you can actually look at those things, and you know they bring joy to you. Like, and and right. so, uh, so there's just so many answers to that kind of question. Right. One more thing that I can think of that I wanted to bring up. Um, when we interviewed C.R. Wiley, I thought it was really interesting when he uh, he brought up this, I guess it was, I don't remember if it was a study that he had read or, or if it was in maybe like a magazine or an interview that he watched or something. But there is there something that he saw at, that was basically saying um, normally uh, the people who are wealthier are the people who have more children which I thought was really interesting. I had never really thought about that before, but then basically what he was saying is, is uh, Wiley's sort of hypothesis um, was essentially this idea that, hey, the more, the more kids you have, the more pressure you feel as a provider to be able to take care of all of them. So, you, so you've got to keep you know, finding, finding ways to make enough money um, you know, to feed your kids, to clothe them, to give them the things that they need. And so what ends up happening is a lot of times God end up, ends up blessing that by, you know, giving them even more than what they need. Um, uh, whether they realize it or not, you know, they, they don't have the, the individuals, they don't have to necessarily recognize that that's what, what is happening. But then the fact is that God is actually blessing, um, it seems like God is actually blessing those people and, and probably in part because they are at least fulfilling, you know, that command. Well, there's all, way, yeah, there's always recognize. blessings that come with faithfulness. So part of it's right. just that pressure you feel to keep on looking and, uh, you, you know, things are tight and you need more, but then right. it's the faithfulness of God. You just devote yourself to the things he calls you to do and help take care of you. Yeah. Now, consequently on the other end of the spectrum, what do you think are some of the, um, what do you think are some of the consequences uh, that come from voluntarily refusing to have kids? Sure. I mean, yeah, if you want to pursue, you know, this self-centered life, uh, then, you know, self selfishness is the kind of thing that really, um, you know, it might be fun in the short term, but then it leaves you empty in the long term. And, and ultimately, you know, you're not setting yourself up for a life that is, you know, very, it's going to be filled with very much joy or happiness. And so, you know, if you're hostile to God's commands, uh, if you're, if you're hostile to things that he actually calls you to do, I mean, there are certainly going to be, um, you know, consequences in this life and, and the next that come from that. And so, you know, the kind of person who really just is absolutely hostile to everything the Bible says, I mean, there's, uh, there's obviously going to be consequences into eternity for that kind of thing. But I mean, the consequences to here and now, like you can pursue selfishness. And I mean, you live in a world right now that basically just uh, encourages selfishness at every single level. Uh, you, you know, be true to yourself, you know, follow your heart, you know, be, uh, be who you be, you know, be who you are and that kind of stuff. Uh, but the problem is that like, the more we pursue selfishness in that kind of way, the, the emptier we actually feel. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where I was one time, uh, once I was watching an interview of some, you know, stupid actress who was essentially trying to, she had never given birth in her life and she was trying to figure out how to, 
you know, make the appropriate noises in childbearing, you know, like, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, based on in, in experience she's never had. And I, I mean, I can't tell you that I just felt pity for her that she was, you know, an individual that, you know, had lived this life that everyone thinks is supposed to be so wonderful and great. And she still had an experience like the basic joy and happiness and blessings that come from mm-hmm. living a life that God commands us to live and those in those ways. Uh, so, you know, you, you can pursue selfishness with all you have. It's going to leave you empty. You're going to feel worthless. And that's why you can have everything the world has to offer. But it's like if you pursue the things God calls you to pursue, you, you know, there are blessings that come from that. Not only do you have his, you know, pleasure, uh, but then you also... Like it's it's better, you know. His plans are better than than our plans. So just yeah. ask anyone who has a you know a kid, <laughs> you know, who yeah, who has the right a biblical attitude about their kid, and they're going to tell you that you know they wouldn't erase erase that kid for anything, you know. Yeah, you know one of, one of the things that I thought bringing up the Wiley interview again that we did, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and and I agreed whole wholeheartedly with this I've, I've thought about this before is this idea that probably in the in the coming decades um, churches are really going to have to think through how do how do we minister to an older generation who is um, just alone basically they, they haven't had children um, because they des- they decided to they either decided to have children really late in life or they they just didn't at all and so now they're all by themselves they have no one to take care of them in their old age they can't provide for themselves anymore and so what uh, so CR Wiley was basically saying hey you know churches are going to have to think through this because um this is going to be the reality we're going to have a whole you know generation of elderly people with no one to take care of them, um, essentially, which, which is really kind of scary if you think about it. Um, you know, all of these people who think that they're um, making a really smart decision for themselves, they're saving the environment, they're, you know, able to pursue all of their passions and pleasures, they're able to pursue the career that they've always wanted, or you know, now they're able to travel because they don't they don't have children or whatever it is. So they think they're making a really smart decision, but then the reality is they're making an awful, awful decision when it comes to the long term, like you were saying. So it's pretty concerning, but then I think if churches are being uh, are having any sort of forethought as it comes to surveying the current landscape of our society, probably one of the things that we really do need to start thinking about even now and trying to equip ourselves for as local churches is... Uh, how do we minister to these people? Because they're going to be there. It's an inevitability at this point, I think, at least in America. I'd say that's true, but let me say something a little bit controversial in that um, right. I don't know that I, we're going to be able to do it. <laughs> Meaning, like, I don't know that we um, should accept upon ourselves like th- that responsibility to okay. provide like older people who refuse to have kids the same level of, you know, joy and family. And like, I I think that there are some things that we're just not going to be able to do no matter how hard we try. And like, you know, there's a certain sense in which it's just like you reap what you sow, you know, and I'm not trying to say that in a harsh way. I'm just trying to say that 
Like, um, there, like, there are burdens that you can't bear, if that makes sense. And so, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's elder, there, there are going to be elderly people in your congregation that have a lot of needs. But I mean, like, I don't, I don't know that the church is going to be just, um, you know, they're like primary. I, I don't know that we're going to be able to take care of every single need that there is to take care of. And like, there's gonna, I mean, there's going to be consequences from those kind of decisions that. I don't even think the church can shelter them from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like we can't. We're not going to be able to take care of, of. Um, we're not going to be able to, I guess, like fully respond to. Right, right. I mean, like you know, like if you have, like you know, I have five kids. Like you know, I I wouldn't expect each one of my five kids to be, you know, my, um, you know, my life buddy who lives with me, or you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're going to have like their own kids. They're going to have their own life and they're going to have that kind of thing. But then, like, the more kids you have, the more that you can get some kind of companionship from your kids, mm-hmm. you know, on a rotation and on a schedule and that kind of thing. Right. But then, like, what, what all I'm trying to say is, like, if you have no one and you have all like, these needs, you know, all these needs, and like, it's just like if you're like, like, um, Yes, we're we're going to be family of God, and yes, we need to bear one another's burdens. Uh, but then there are the kinds of burdens that a person can take upon themselves that are beyond you know people. And, and what I mean is just to say that like like um that like there are um there are so many blessings that come from family that I don't know that we're going to be able to just fulfill all of those things in that way. Um, yeah. So, so I think we need to be strategic, but I, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that we should pretend that like we can replace that. We can in, in its entirety. Yeah. And fully, you know, I don't think so. You know? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's a good, um, that's a good qualification to make. I think, um, certainly, yeah, we won't be able to, we, we can, um, you know, serve in some way and, and, and hopefully that can be something that that uh, leads many of these people to know Christ, to see the generosity of his of his children and and the love that they have. Um, but then, yeah, obviously you can't. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it maybe in a this isn't really like a one to one comparison, but then maybe uh, it it it's at least in a similar vein where you know, like if you have the divorced the divorced parents um, and you have a stepdad come in, he can certainly serve, you know, um, that role of father, but then he's, he's never going to be the biological father, right? He's never going to have that same connection. So, um, so he can sort of mitigate the fact that the father might not be there, but then he won't ever actually be, you know, the, the one who gave his DNA, um, to the child, so well, I think um, I think you, what you want to do is you want to think about like you know so like the younger widows in the Bible are encouraged to remarry, right? So if mm-hmm. you, you think about that, like the younger widows are encouraged to remarry because like the church shouldn't take on like a responsibility to provide financially provide everything that a woman needs. Like if you did that, like you're gonna. <laughs> run out of money okay <laughs> yeah yeah all right so but then the thing is like if you encourage younger women to remarry you know and you don't enroll like younger women on the widow's list 
as far as those things are concerned. Like you encourage them to remarry, you encourage them to take on like responsibility in order to take care of the things that are needed. And a new husband could really help with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so like there are steps to that. And so, I mean, I think, you know, partly as a church, what we should be doing is warning people like, like, and not just say, Hey, you know, we're here for you when you realize how desolate it all is. I think we should be warning like, Hey, you're, you're robbing yourself of future blessings. And, you, you yeah. know, and the kind of person though, who really is just living that life of self-fulfillment for years and years and years and years, like in that kind of way, I mean, they don't typically have a lot of connections period, mm-hmm. because they're not living the kind of other centered life that's going to, you know, make these meaningful, close relationships. And pretty, you know, most people are going to get married and move on. And then you're just going to be alone by yourself. You know, you're, time has passed you by and so i mean at a certain point yeah i mean i think you can go out of your way at that point to you know the the 50 year old person who never married and came to the end of himself and has decided to you know convert like you can be a family to them that's real that may be Mm -hmm. better than their biological family but then you know it's not like you're not going to be able to replace everything you know so there will be consequences to those things right so like you're not going to be able to do it all you know, right. so like with the, um, with, with those kind of things, like there's, um, there are certain, you know, I, th- I think the church can be a better family than our biological family at times. Uh, and you know, we like, so that's true, but like there are certainly, um, consequences of living that self-centered life. And some of those show up, you know, will show up in your older years yeah. too. Unless you just remarkably repent and, you know, start throwing yourself into being other-centered, you mm-hmm. know, you might not, like, you know, I, I wouldn't just, uh, like, a person, like, you know, needs to radically change who they are. You know, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they would need to, radi- like, they can't just be the same self-centered person and just say, oh, okay, well, you know, what are your programs for old singles, or for old, you know, unmarried, you know, and, you know, as a needy consumer who, like, basically is looking at you to fulfill all this emotional void that is there because of, like, a life that was worthless. It's just like, no, I mean, you have to actually be other-centered at some point in your life, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and learn that it's better to give than receive, and you might find blessing there, but you're not going to be find it just by being this, this needy person who just is trying to leech off of the church all these things that you rejected your whole life, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so talking about, uh, you know, the people who are basically, re- you know, voluntarily refusing to have children, they're either delaying it or they're just telling themselves, "Hey, I'm I'm never going to have children," um, for whatever reason. Reason, um, you know. I guess I I'll go ahead and ask you this title question then. So those people um, that are refusing to have kids, um, are they being, you know, selfish jerks, or <laughs> or may, maybe an even better, you know, maybe an even better way to ask it is, you know, I I was that person at one point yeah. in my life who is basically saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put off having kids. I, I don't know when we'll do it, but you know, certainly not in the, in the first few years of marriage. So t- Tim, I'll, I would like to ask you as, as me being the person who is leading my wife uh, into that kind of decision, was I basically being a, a selfish jerk? Right. That's essentially what I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it, it is. <laughs> Cost you to have kids. <laughs> so, Pull me, back the curtain a little bit. Did you not get the memo? You know before. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Um, to, so to clar- <laughs> so to clarify for you guys, uh, I was the person who was who was thinking this way, who was refusing to have children, and um, uh, uh, Tim and the other pastor of our church, Marcus. They basically both came to me because I I was I've I'm the person at our church who's basically um, you know training to be an, an elder one day and and so they they eventually came to me and we're basically like all right Harrison we've got to talk about we've got to talk about this what's the plan you know mm-hmm. when are you gonna have kids uh, and then and then we got into and then you know I was basically like well we're we're waiting you know. Um, we want, we just want to make sure we're ready, um, you know, whatever. But then the reality was I just didn't, I don't, I don't really think that I thought children were a blessing. And so, uh, Tim and Marcus, they came to me and were basically like, Hey, quit being a selfish jerk yeah. and, and have some kids. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so the no, answer is so. yes, yeah, you're being definitely. a selfish jerk. Yeah. I think definitely. I mean, the answer to that. And I mean, I, I think, Generally, one of the things that's happened is that post birth control, uh, now there's this um, normalized expectation that you'll delay having kids like almost indefinitely. And I mean, really, I mean, it's kind of strange. I mean, you have um, like, um, you know, we have such a stunted understanding of what marriage actually is today that, I mean, you can, like, like, we don't even know the basics of what we're doing in marriage. So part part of that's the problem, and so we don't even know what marriage is about. We don't understand the roles that we're taking on, what marriage is actually designed to do. I mean, but for most of human history, marriage was viewed as a procreative union, essentially. Yeah. And like, like it was not only was it a procreative union, but it was a union that like, like fundamentally, the first act of marriage, you know, the consummation of marriage, was an act that was intended to procreate (laughs) so this is the standard understanding of what marriage has been throughout the entire history of the world prior to Mm -hmm. birth control Mm -hmm. is that you go and you get married and the first thing you do is you you know go in the tent and make a baby that's what you do okay (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, but then we don't we don't think about it that kind of way at all you know so you you don't have um we, we like that's not even on the radar for the vast majority of people uh, so, you know, yes, they're being selfish jerks, but then they're just bone ignorant about you. You were bone ignorant about <laughs> what you're doing, <laughs> you know, like in marriage, like what, what, what you're actually, you know, uh, intending to do. Right. And so what right. you're, in, what you're, what, uh, the way God's designed marriage to be is that a man is, you know, um, called by God to be a protector and a provider of his wife and, and he should go into marriage thinking to himself that he has a responsibility to provide for one plus another. Mm-hmm. Should, you know, God uh, bless his endeavors. And so that's been the standard understanding of marriage throughout history. And now it's only, you know, post-birth birth control pill that we even, like, think that, like, that it's, it's become normalized to, um, to not just get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And so that's a like massive shift in the way we even understand what we're doing now that m- most people throughout the history of the world wouldn't even recognize. You know, so what what happens though is that most people like you're living in a society right now that's hostile to marriage and you're living in a society that's hostile to kids. And then um 
So, you know, and I threw you under the bus, but I mean, I did the same kind of thing <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. going into marriage. Like I, I had a plan, you know, I'm in seminary. I want to finish seminary and then we'll talk, talk about having kids. I didn't want to postpone it that much, but then one of the things that I just felt profoundly unsettled about early on in our marriage is why are we putting this off? Why are we putting this off? It seems like we're doing violence to God's design in a pretty fundamental level. And that quickly led to, you know, an audible at that point. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, the, like you're living in a world that's hostile to, you know, marriage and it's hostile to kids. And then often what happens in the church is that, you know, the guys still want to have sex. Okay. So mm-hmm. the guys still, and then the girls still want the relationship. But then you, like, what happens is the church kind of persuades them, hey, marriage is a good thing. Quit sleeping around outside of marriage. So, like, okay, well, let's get married then and make this, like, legit, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's do it on the up and up. <laughs> on the up and up, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, like, they didn't get the, like, they didn't really understand what marriage was and what they're doing and what God's mm-hmm. purpose for marriage is. And so then essentially marriage is just this opposite sex, you know, bestie with benefits. And that's about it. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. You're just a person you do life together with and, you know, all that. And like, it's just like, but that, that's just uh, unrecognizable biblically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there might be some people listening who are, probably a little bit revolted at the thought of uh, both of my pastors coming to me and basically, you know, telling me, Hey, quit being a selfish jerk. You know, uh, they didn't say, they didn't say I was a selfish jerk. They didn't say that, but um, he has a poor memory. (laughs) No matter matter what, no matter what Tim Tim tells you, they didn't say that, but they, I mean, they, um, you know, they, they were essentially, you know, confronting me about this and, um, Maybe for some people they might hear that and kind of be like, "Whoa, that's a little, that's a little weird." You know, why are why are your pastors uh, telling you those kinds of things? But then the reality is, that was probably one of the greatest. I, I look back on that conversation with both of you guys. If I'm just being you know totally honest here, I look back on that conversation probably as one of um, the the things that I am most thankful for in my whole life. You know, outside of um, those who shared the gospel with me and, you know, um, meeting my wife, that's probably one of the, one of the single nights that I am most thankful for in my whole life, because what it did was, you know, through the mercy of God, um, and, and the gift of, you know, church discipline, it, it gave, uh, and, and the faithfulness of my pastors and their boldness to be willing to tell me these things and, and not really be worried about what I think but be more concerned with the truth. What it led to was, you know, a ton of blessing in my family. And I, and I think not even just in my family, I think just in our church in general. I mean, you confronted really. a few people and then everyone got baby fever, you know, and <laughs> yeah, then, like, there's so many kids now that have come from that one act of throwing you <laughs> under the bus, you know? Yeah. And so, so I, I, all that to say, I really do look back on that, on that conversation is probably one of the, most loving things that anyone has ever done for me. If, if I'm being on, and, and that's not me trying to play it up or whatever. I'm just, that's legitimately how I think about it. I'm, I've been, I've always been so thankful that both of you guys, um, that, that y'all were, that y'all loved me enough, uh, to just tell me that even if you thought I wasn't going to want to hear it. Um, so, so, 
I've been really thankful for that. And, and like I said, it, it's led to a great, great blessing and, and getting to have, um, a child, you know, and, and really expanding our family and, and all of the many gifts that have, have led to that, not just in my family, but in our church in general. Um, so, so thank you guys for doing that. Um, I have a lot, a lot of, um, more sort of application based questions here, Tim. Um, so do you want to, do you want to keep going or do you want to try and make these, um, some, some midweek things that we can sort of point people to in terms of, uh, how do we, uh, how do we address certain specific scenarios when it comes to, uh, not having kids and, and having kids, how do you want to play that? Uh, sure. Yeah. Why don't you just maybe ask a few more and we'll be call, okay. call quiz. Okay. Um, well the, uh, let's see. So I guess maybe the first place to start would just be for the person who's listening and they're saying, you know what, I actually do need to, I actually do. I'm the person who's been putting this off or, or maybe I'm the unmarried person who, um, is really desires marriage, but then doesn't really desire having children. But then listening to us, they, they've sort of been won over now. Um, or maybe, maybe there's someone out there listening who is, who is married. Maybe they have, you know, one kid or, or they're about to have their first kid or something. And they're, and they're starting to think to themselves, all right, how do I figure out how many to have? Um, that's certainly a question that I've, I've gotten asked a lot is how many, how many children are you planning on having? When, when are you guys going to stop? Um, so, so what are your thoughts when it comes to actually, uh, trying to figure out how many children to have. So not just, not just do we have children or do we not, but how many do we have? What are some, some things that couples need to think through in order to answer that question? Yeah. I mean, I don't think any, you know, single person like is going to be able to answer that question for sure. Like how many uh, kids should I have projected out into the future? And mm-hmm. I would say that like young married people <laughs> are not the best gauge of answering that question too. So one of the worst things you can possibly do is sanctify some kind of subjective, arbitrary number that you come up with. Um, you know, the, <laughs> it's it's actually two and a half. It's two and a half. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that might get you in jail. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think w- w- the worst thing you can do is try to sanctify some sort of um, number. Um, you know, the truth is, I mean, you know, when we were encouraging you to, you know, get to it and start having kids, um, it, there there are very real financial concerns that people have. I mean, when, I, when my wife and I had our first kid, it wasn't as if I had some sort of, uh, you know, wonderful plan in order to take care of not only a wife and a kid. I mean, I, I had a pretty dumb plan financially. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, it really was, it was a stupid plan to go to seminary and get married. And, you know, we made, you know, maybe $5,000 our first year of marriage. I mean, it was just ridiculous, uh, you know, and irresponsible in a lot of ways. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, uh, what people need to do is they need to, basically as they're approaching a question along those lines, they need, they really do need to think to themselves, you know, I know I'm ready to get married when, like mm-hmm. when I'm ready to move out of my parents' house. Okay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so like when I, I, if you want to know when you're ready to be married guy, you know, the, like you need to like 
Jesus goes and prepares a place for us so that we, you know, might be with him. Uh, you know, guy, you know you're ready to be married when you're ready to financially support not only yourself, but also a wife and a, and a kid. Like that's when you know you're, you, you know, you're financially ready to be married. Mm-hmm. So what we need to be encouraging people to do is get themselves ready to you know, get, be ready to be a provider at the beginning, you know, and a lot of what's happening is you have like the, you know, the double income, no kid kind of phenomenon. And so you have individual, you have men who are not ready to provide, and then they're trying to sh- share this provision role with a wife. And then essentially what happens is they're both sharing this role and then they're sharing all the domestic duties uh, to, and basically just undermining God's design for the family at a pretty fundamental level. And then, you know, but then they're strapped financially because neither one of them makes a whole lot of money. They're not ready to take on a family. They're not thinking about like taking on a family at that point. And so then it's just like, well, basically they're eking by with no ambition to change their scenario for years and years and years until they get ready to, you know, one day take the plunge. But the problem is like, you know, like there is this sense in which you do have to step out on faith at times. Like if you've dug yourself in a hole and you're in a bad situation, it might be mm-hmm. times where you just say, Hey, just, you know, God's going to have to take care of it. You know, because if I'm just looking at the numbers, then I'm never going to have a kid. Uh, you know, so there are bad decisions you can make along those lines to, you know, put yourself in a scenario where, you know, you just, um, it may feel financially unwise to have a kid just because you didn't prepare well. But what I would, what I would say though, is just that, um, you know, trying to answer that question, how many kids should we actually have? Well, if you start off in the right way, then what, what generally happens is, you know, God will constantly just give you more money. You know, <laughs> so, but I mean, every step along the way, it's just like, I mean, I can look back at my life and it's just like, you know, we barely had enough to have one. We didn't have enough to have one. We had one in faith, trusting in him to feed, feed us and clothe us. And it's been amazing. Just, you know, you have another one he keeps on, you know, giving you more money, have another one keeps on giving you more money, have another one. He keeps on giving that. So if you're just looking at the math, like, you know, sometimes it's just, like you, you do have to step out in faith a little bit and, uh, you know, see. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that there's any simple answers to those kind of questions. I mean, I think um, you, you know, you're not going to be, ac- you're not going to accurately be able to predict the whole scope of your life and trying to come up with some arbitrary number at the very beginning of your marriage when you're making the least money that you'll probably ever make, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like and project that out in the future. You just, I think that's pretty unwise for most people. Just walk by faith, take a step at a time, you know, like, and, and that's kind of how we, um, that, this is the way that we approach children as far as that's concerned, we just kept on going, you know, and part of the reason why we just kept on going was because like, you know, birth control was just a mess. You know, there's like concerns with many forms of birth control that they're abortifacient. Uh, they sometimes, a lot of times they make your, uh, your wife crazy, you know, so <laughs> back to that. Uh, make her crazy and, you know, extra hormonal. And, um, you know, so there's those kind of things like the, the longer people are on birth control, it like destroys their, ability to have kids even you know mm-hmm. so a lot of people like who go into marriage unable to have kids they either took the covid vaccine or <laughs> <laughs> uh, you shouldn't laugh i'm not laughing about like that situation i'm just you know uh, uh yep <laughs> uh, but no or they what or they've been on birth control for many years and it's kind of destroyed their ability to have kids too and so like you know ladies who never touch birth control like they 
typically are more fertile uh, than those who do. And that's just a consequence of those kind of things. But I mean, I think for us, like we just, like it's just, there's just realities of like trying to prevent this feels strange for one. Mm-hmm. And then for two, like, you know, the ways that they're not very good, you know, despite all the advertising, they're not very good and they have all these problems. And so we just, you know, kept on going. And, you know, and, and, and I mean, I think everyone has to you know, figure out how you're going to respond to those kind of things. But I mean, you know, I think you just, you, you um, trust the Lord by faith. And, you know, I think there's been times in our life where, you know, we have another one and it's just like, hey, we're, we're, tre- we're treading water. You know, we have another one. We're really treading water. You know, God, <laughs> we have another one. It's like, uh, we can barely breathe at this point, you know, like to where at, at some point, you know, somewhere along the line, I think there's some calculation that, you know, unless you adopt kind of a quiver, quiverful posture that individuals might make along those lines where it's just like, hey, we just, our life situation isn't changing. We keep on digging a hole. We keep on digging a hole. But, you know, I wouldn't do it at the first time of struggle. I'd wait till, you know, have a few extra, you know, have, have a few more than <laughs> have at least two or three more than what you think you can have and see what happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but I think if, you know, if you're tapping out at like one, you know, it's, that's some weak stuff right there, that's, huh? That's weak, weak sauce right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think some people are called to childlessness? I think the people who are called to childlessness are the people who are unable to have kids. Okay. Uh, so, unable to have kids because like like what they're in, they're infertile or something. Is yeah, that what you I mean? think those are the people who are called to it. But you know, I think one of the things that you like the the reason why um, like the thing is, it's just like like because of the advent of birth control, we've separated reproduction from the sex act in a pretty fundamental way, in a way that is somewhat you know it's ahistorical and it's kind of irrational. Uh, so you have a body that's designed to do a certain thing and certainly, you know, sex brings pleasure. Uh, so you're intended for pleasure. Sure. Uh, but then, you know, you're also intended to procreate. And so like that's, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, um, you know, if you're the kind of, um, couple, that, I mean, if you're the kind of individual who's called to singleness, like in order to advance God's kingdom then do it, but like to bring some, you know, woman into that in order that you may just get your sexual desires met with none of the responsibility that comes from that is, you know, pretty selfish. And the Bible says that the barren womb is never satisfied. And it's typically like ladies are not as happy with that arrangement as a guy is. And a guy mm-hmm. is going to be perfect. You know, a guy could be in his selfishness tempted to be perfectly happy with that kind of thing. It, I'm not saying that that's always the case. Like this just, talking in generalizations there, but typically, you know, the pressure, at some point, the lady's going to get the baby itch for the most part, you know, unless yeah. there's some kind of like uh, baggage or something along those lines or some kind of, you know, traumatic events in the past or just a, you know, straight up posture of feminism or something like that. But typically, you know, like if you're, if you're not ready to have kids, you're not ready to get married and, you know, why do that? You know, why do that? You know, so wh- why get why get married and um, just um, like it doesn't make sense based on what God's purpose for marriage is actually is. Do you think the people who find out along the way that they're um, infertile, um, are they, so you're saying they're called to childlessness. 
Uh, do you think there's any sense in which they probably need to think to themselves, hey, we need to start talking about how do we adopt? Like, is that something that they should um, take on for themselves as, as a, like a, I guess like a, a sort of replacement in a way to just actually having biological children? Do they need to have something in them that says, all right, well, we can't have our own children, but we know there's certainly many, many children out there who have no parents at all. We need to make it our responsibility then to say, let's go out and let's, you know, let's adopt some of them. Yeah, so I, mean, I think that that's like um, a good thing that couples could think about. And God obviously adopts us into our family and, you know, caring for widows and orphans in their distress is pure and undefiled religion. I, I would say it's, um, you know, it's not always as easy as all that, you know, in terms of like there are significant barriers uh, to, to adoption like, right. that are there. That are fi- I mean, it's not as if you can just, you know, see an orphan on the side of the road and be like, hey, you know, orphan, do you want parents? You know, like uh, you can. <laughs> do you want parents? Do you want some parents? Well, we're happy to be your parents. You know, I mean, it's not that kind of situation to where like yeah. you can do that kind of thing without, you know, getting thrown in jail for kidnapping, you know? Right. So like, there, there's, I mean, literal, kidnapping. yeah, there's a lot of money like that, like adopting costs a ridiculous amount of money, you know, to, to do. And I mean, there are ways, to, there are ways to do it, you know, but I'm not, um, so I think certainly a, a couple, that's one, uh, valid thing that they, sh- you know, should consider that should be on the table. I wouldn't want to say that a couple who just looks at uh, their situation and says, hey, like, uh, okay, well, we're just going to faithfully throw ourselves into serving the Lord the best we can, mm-hmm. you know, with our times and, and abilities that God has given us. And I don't know that, like, that's a fundamental and act of faith, unfaithfulness there, you know. So yeah. if God sovereignly, pre- like, so, I mean, there's plenty of, like, situations in the Bible where God sovereignly prevents individuals from having kids, and it's not as if, like the only faithful option at that point was to adopt. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to say that's the only faithful, but that is certainly a faithful option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess the last question that we'll end on is, um, you know, that the answer to the title question was yes. If you're, if you're voluntarily choosing to not have children, then, then you are being a selfish jerk. Uh, what, so what would you say to the person who's being a selfish jerk, who's refusing to have children, even though they are, they are capable of it. You know, they're married. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're not having to deal with any sort of infertility issues or anything like that. They just don't want to have any kids. What would you, um, you know, what would you say that person needs to do? Uh, so, so what does that person need to do if they're the selfish one that doesn't want to have any kids? Yeah. I mean, they need, I would say they need to repent, (laughs) 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 repent, you know, you know, the the simple answer to that is, yeah, repent. I mean, I think they, um, God obviously has designs for humanity and you're standing in opposition to those designs. And, and, you know, I, I think you can, you can do that kind of thing and you can justify it in your own mind. Uh, but you know, I think the more that you read the Bible, the more that you pray, the more that you look at the subject from scripture, it's just, I mean, it's impossible to make a case that what you're doing is remotely okay from the Bible. So, like, there mm-hmm. is no good case to be made from that. And the more that you, you know, um, 
throw yourself into the scriptures and throw yourself into a community of believers. I mean, typically the kind of people who like the, the problem is that like most churches like are like most faithful churches are encouraging couples to have children. Like that's just mm-hmm. the way it works. And so like, and, and the more that people like often you don't even have to encourage them to do it. They just do, you know, they start having kids yeah. and once, you know, individuals start having kids, everyone else, We'll keep on having kids, and so like the the way like you know this like the only way that this kind of thing works in the long term is if you're in a church that's genuinely hostile to kids, really. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to be a you know a Christian and part of a like a church that's going to be accepting of you and your you know barren state that you've voluntarily chosen for yourself, like you're going to have to be in a church that really is like pretty messed up as far as those things are concerned across the board in general, you know, I mean, I don't know that like a lot of churches are talking about these things the way they should, but it, I'm just trying to say that the momentum, like people will have kids, you know, so you really do have to be in a situation where you're kind of a church that's hostile uh, to these things for the most part. And like, so like that didn't say anything good about you, you know, to, to be that kind of person who's just um, like, it's not going to be good for your soul. And the more you fight, like, the more that you fight these things, the more that like there are consequences to, to to doing so. I mean, I I you know I I think a, a lot of people don't realize they they think you know guys think think that you know like it's just like hey, you know if I get married I can just have sex whenever I want right, mm-hmm. and then you get married and it's like but I don't want the kids and so the kids are going to stand in the way of the sex that I want kind of thing. But the problem mm-hmm. is, like, your wife gets on the birth control pill, it's going to ruin her libido. <laughs> like, it's going to mess her up, you know, and like, and then, you, you know, they're, it's going to make her crazy. And, and so, uh, you know, some of the pills do uh, worse than others, but I'm just trying to say that, like, there are side effects to these kind of things, and you're going to experience the side effects to these things. And like, you know, I, I think in, in our, my life and our marriage, as we tried to fight, at the times we try to fight this, like there are consequences to that and there's nothing more right in the universe than just to do what God's designed you to do and let marriage be what it's designed to be and to quit thinking about it, you know? Like, you know, there's all this stress that comes from an individual who's trying to fight God's plan. And I mean, like, you know, if you want to make intimacy with your partner miserable, you know, put on it this kind of pressure that I can't get pregnant at all costs, you know? Mm-hmm. kind of pressure and it's just like you're making you know you're just making marriage miserable you're robbing yourself of joy and not only that you're dishonoring the lord and you're dishonoring his plans for you uh and so yeah i mean grow up just grow up and you know be an adult and trust the lord sure yeah uh is there anything else that you want to say before we close no i think that's good man okay all right well yeah hopefully this has been a an encouraging episode for you guys like i said for me, this was a, you know, I mean, literally like a life changing thing when I, you know, repented myself of this, uh, of the selfishness that I was pursuing, of the selfishness I was encouraging my wife to pursue. Um, and, and now that we've turned away from that, we've just experienced so much blessing. Uh, even our parent, you know, our parents have experienced so much blessing. Our church has experienced so much blessing. Uh, it really is a wonder why we ever why we ever thought um the way we did you know that that we needed to avoid children it it is pretty it is kind of curious to me why did i ever think that how did i ever convince myself 
that that was a good idea now that I've now that I've experienced having one for myself and so so hopefully that's encouraging for you guys hopefully that's convicting for a lot of you guys and um and so we want to thank you guys for listening for supporting us um week in and week out and we look forward to having you guys on the next one this has been another episode of bible bashed we hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion we thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to bible bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media please reach out to us with your questions pushback and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at biblebashedpodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through patreon if you would like to be Bible bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.